Lots to share with you this morning, and I hope it's encouraging. Um, Hope is a gift. Last week we talked about hope being supernatural. Today, hope is a gift. And I hope from the devotional and from the memes and from the scriptures I'm going to share, you're going to see hope really is a gift. It's not something you have to go find. It's actually in you already. But before that, let's get into what made me ponder this week, and I've got a few extra things more than normal. Beware of destination addiction, a preoccupation with the idea that happiness is in the next place, the next job, the next partner. Until you give up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it will never be where you are. That's something to ponder. We need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. Desmond Tutu. And I thought that was, that's a good thought when it comes to the journey we're on as a church. As we're learning and unlearning. When we find we're bumping into people that are leaving God, so to speak. We've had a lot of um, well-known people that are big in the media declare, I'm not a Christian anymore. And, and bombastic statements like that. And I know why they're giving them, but it's also leading to a domino effect of people trying to latch their wagon on and say, well, I'm, I'm ditching mine too. And there's all these frustrations. So maybe we need to find out why people are having a hard time with certain things and deal with the issue further upriver. I thought it was really good. Uh, this is from Buddha. <laughs> Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You're the one who gets burned. Another forgiveness one. Unforgiveness holds us to the past where we can't receive the flow of God's love in this present moment. The wording there is careful because um, some people say that if you don't forgive, you don't have the presence of God. It's untrue. We always have the presence of God in us. It's the awareness of it. And so, yeah, I thought that was really, really good. Um, Forgiveness does not require reconnection. And we've taught on this many times that uh, reconciliation does not equal the same thing as forgiveness. We can forgive someone and not have to stay in contact with them. But somebody will scream foul and say, well, then you didn't really forgive. No, you don't understand forgiveness. It's a process. It's much deeper and wider than what we've been taught. It's not a coy, quick statement, you know. And, yeah, it's, it's... Those who do not understand or have had to forgive somebody deeply, they'll throw phrases out, and I thought this was really good. We've done this one before, but I just wanted this reminder. And they will know us by, uh, sorry, and they will know you are my disciples by your rules? Nope. Your theology? Nope. Your righteousness? Nope. Your power? Nope. Rhetoric? Nope. Purity? Nope. Clubs? Nope. By your love. And this is important today, because uh, I've been watching... Large churches, I gotta say this carefully because I'm not, I, I'm, I do not want to sound like I'm bashing, I'm, but I'm seeing a pattern, and it's, it's most obvious in larger churches where they'll make a statement, and, and one particular thing I'm thinking of, they've told their church, if you don't sign this document, you're kicked out. It's like, come on, it ceases to be a church. So it, that kind of stuff has been going on. And it's not about your doctrinal statements. It's not about anything but your love. And somebody has asked, is this church, does this church believe in this or believe in that? And and the the list is endless of what does your church believe about this? 
Guess what? The simplest answer is love. And we're still discovering it. We're still digging deeper into it. I'm not going to get caught getting baited into a theology of all your, your pet peeves. It's not worth the energy. I'll walk away, bye. I don't, I don't need to spend time doing that. This church family knows the journey we're on. And it's been really fun and precious to have conversations with many of you and, and hope we can have many, many more. I thought that was, that was really important to remember. Judaism contains mysteries, but its ultimate purpose is not mysterious at all. It is to honor the image of God in other people and thus turn the world into a home for the divine presence. Rabbi Sachs. Well, that sounds a little bit like the Christian lens too. And I've heard that the Muslim lens also has that same sentiment. Really? All three? Yes. Hmm. I thought it was, it made me ponder. I take Eucharist because I hope, this is powerful by the way, I take Eucharist, communion, because I hope to become human. I eat bread and drink wine because I desire to be found in the likeness of God. It is the human God who is making of me his very self in the meal. The shepherd's sign is a feed trough. Christ has come down. So we can be what we eat. It's deep. If it's too much right now, go back and watch later. You are what you eat. This is, I thought that was, it's true. It's, well, anyway. I love this. The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die. And more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. All right? That's good. I love this next one. The kingdom of heaven is like tearing apart your entire house looking for your keys while you're running late for work, only to realize they were in your pocket all along. That's like somebody looking for their cell phone with a cell phone light. (laughs) The kingdom of God is in us. That's another sermon. Dear God, help me to love my neighbor more than I love my Bible. Defend the oppressed more than I defend my theological beliefs. And love humanity more than I love my religion. Paul's back down to love again. True love, agape. I love this. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. This is old. I've I've shared this for 20 years, that phrase. I just saw it come up on somebody else's feed. Oh, I like that, yeah. Oh, right, I remember that. (laughs) It was good. But something to ponder. Is that enough? Yes. Wow. Hopefully those ones kind of triggered you and uh, got you thinking a little bit more. Um, and each of them are filled with a sense of hope. There's a hope in there. But hope is a gift. This next devotional from Henry Nouwen is really good. Of course, all, everything I share is really good, right? Just kidding. Solitude is the way to hope intuitively. We know that it is important to spend time in solitude. We even start looking forward to the strange period of uselessness. 
This desire for solitude is often the first sign of prayer. The first indication that the presence of God's spirit no longer remains unnoticed. As we empty ourselves of our many worries, we come to know not only with our mind, but also with our heart, that we never were really alone. That God's spirit was with us all along. Thus, we come to understand what Paul writes to the Romans. Suffering brings patience. Patience brings perseverance. Perseverance brings hope, and this hope is not deceptive. I love that. This hope. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. In solitude, we come to know the Spirit who has already been given to us. The pains and struggles we encounter in our solitude thus become the way to hope because our hope is not based on something that will happen after our sufferings are over, but on the real presence of God's healing spirit in the midst of these sufferings. The discipline of solitude allows us gradually to come in touch with this hopeful presence of God in our lives and allows us to taste even now the beginnings of the joy and peace that belong to the new heaven and the new earth. And as they say in the Psalms, Selah. Does anybody know what Selah means? It means stop, ponder. Meditate on what was just said. It's a great word. I remember a local band here in town when I was a little kid. Ruth, you might remember this. When we had to go to the Yance conferences, the Yance team at uh, Rockway Mennonite School. Vaguely, I know. It was super boring. But anyway, um, they had Sila be one of the music people. And they had, a, they had a cassette. Yes, I bought a cassette back then. But they're still doing stuff today, and they're actually really, really good. They're much better than they were. Um, they've definitely developed, but I saw them when they were first beginning. But sila, to ponder, to stop, meditate. You'll see that word in the Psalms. At least now you will, because I drew your attention to it. It's like buying a Hyundai Sonata, a red one, and uh, suddenly you see all sorts of red Hyundai Sonatas. <laughs> yes, right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about, yes. All right, hope is a gift. Romans 5, 2 to 7. Oh, we've got tons of time. What happened? Okay. Reach it. Or I might let you out early. Who knows? So you can get to your heaters. <laughs> it is cold. My hands are getting cold. Okay, because of our faith, by the way, pause, our faith. If we see that phrase as, that is something that is mine separate from God, then we have a problem. Because if it is separate from God and you have your faith that you have built, then it's your job to maintain it. It's your job to test the quality of your faith and its object. But when faith is a gift to us, it's the faith of Christ. The pressure's off. 
We get to live in the faith of Christ in us. So please, you don't need more faith. Don't tell people they need to have more faith. It's a, you're setting people up for failure. You have all the faith you possibly could need. Because of our faith, so I recognize that Christ's faith is my faith, therefore our faith. So that's, that's the context here. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Now this joy boy statement, if you just pull that statement out and only focus on that, you're going to also be imbalanced. Right? And yet, and yet, there are people who can authentically, in their quietness, without broadcasting it and making people feel stupid, say, I'm finding peace and joy in this difficult circumstance. Those that can say it with reverence and maturity, listen to them. Those who throw it at you and say, Here, here's the prescription pad. You must be joyful in your circumstance. They don't get it at all. They're trying to avoid really dealing with stuff. We can rejoice too when we run to problems and trials. For we know that help, uh, they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now, let me pause there for a minute. These things are not things that God does to you so that this happens. Do you hear me? Otherwise, we're going to hear someone say, well, God's allowing this to happen to you for your own good. Well, that's, I don't want that God. What kind of God does that to his kids? This is about coming down to the character of who God is. This is about questioning who God is. And we're allowed to question. In fact, question, question, question. Because truth can handle all questions. Lies can't. They, no, 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 no. This is what it says. This, this is what it means. That's it. No, dig deeper. Let your spirit in you confirm. These things will develop. You know, almost all of us have gone through some difficulties in life. Horrible pain, loss, separations, divorces, you name it. Horrible pains, abuse. But those things don't define who we are. They just show where we've come from and adds to our character and our lens. We don't dismiss it. We embrace it because that is our path that we've been on. You can't change that. I saw something this morning. I was going to put it on the screen, but I thought I'd have too many slides, so now I can talk about it. But there's this concept of uh, pearls. How many like pearls? Anybody like pearls? They're kind of cool. They're shiny. I like shiny small stuff. But anyway, pearls. I won't wear them. Don't worry. But pearls, they are evidence of pain. Did you know that? Anytime you find a pearl or many pearls in an oyster, whatever thing that it's in, it's a result of a contamination, a violation Something that should not be there enters in. And that thing 
creates, I think it starts with an anonorma or something like that. There's a, there's a, a word that talks about it now covering that, that, that speck of sand that comes in that shouldn't be there. And it creates a layer and that, that becomes the pearl. The pearl is evidence there's been pain. And there are a lot of people with a lot of pearls in them. And the pearls are beautiful. But they come from pain. I think this is where we need to see the humanity. And that's why I love that rabbi quote that we're designed to see the humanity in others. To see God in humanity. Not our rituals. Sometimes we try to build up our rituals and our programs and this is about you know, promoting the church or a specific church when this is about reflecting the Holy Spirit, reflecting and pointing to Jesus. Hmm. And this Hope will not lead to disappointment. That's important. By the way, disappointment? What does disappointment mean? Anybody know? <laughs> it's so simple. Failed expectations. Yep. How many parents have said to their kid, like my mom and dad have said to most of my mom, I'm so disappointed in you. That was my second language growing up, and I wonder why I have trouble with shame these days. Because it was so repetitive. I, I'm even unaware of how it's affected me today. Lori knows. You see, why do you always take it the wrong way? I'm sorry. Disappointment. Failed expectations. And maybe there's something to surrendering your expectations. Half of our frustrations are from disappointment. Failed expectations. And so if we're honest, maybe we can pause, do that solitude, and recognize I'm upset because my expectations. And I'm projecting it on someone else. And now they feel like dung because of me. Huh. Ponder that one. Sila. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, here's a problem. For we know how dearly God loves us. How many people don't know how God dearly loves them? God barely puts up with them is what they think. Just fine, cover them with the blood of Jesus until they get to heaven. Ugh, you're disgusting to me, but fine. Just because of Jesus, I can handle it. Just cover, cover the dung with the love of Christ. Fine, I can accept that. No. We're a diamond. Loved and beloved by God. So, do you see how this is all tied together? Knowing you're loved, knowing you're beloved, affects your expectations, even of God. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You already have the love of God in you. You already have the faith of God in you. You already have the hope of Christ in you. It's in you. It's been given to you as a gift. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for you sinners. I mean us sinners. Listen, depending on your denominational background is how you read that. <laughs> it's really true. Because this verse alone will mess up most of our church theology if we 
paused and did Selah on that verse. Why? Let me point it out and you can think later. When we were utterly helpless. Look that up in a whole bunch of translations. Okay? It's when we were utterly helpless, Jesus came and died for us. So I, but I hadn't said the prayer yet. But I haven't repented yet. Jesus still came and died for us. It wasn't about you. Again, expectation and ego. (laughs) Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a, a person who is especially good. And then goes on with more good news. This is the hope that came to us. Did the work of, here's this big word called reconciliation. Jesus came and died so that the one thing hindering us from knowing and believing God, the problem in the garden when they believed God was separate from them and was absent, right there, Jesus coming to the cross and dying for us and raised to life, fixed that mental block, fixed the divide, the mental divide, the believing that caused us not to believe we were actually present with God. That's why Jesus came, to fix the mindsets, the reconciliation. We are to declare the reconciliation of God, not get saved. There's three different kinds of saved. There's um, uh, getting saved, saved, and will be saved. All three are all through scriptures, but remember what the word saved means? Healed, healed. First Nations translation says it beautifully. I love this. Our trust is in him. Our trust in him opens the way into creator's great kindness and is now the solid ground on which we stand. Our boasting is in him as we look forward to being the kind of people the great spirit created us to be, by the way. I love this boasting in him because... I have heard and I have, I have boasted on some things. Oh, look at my faith. I placed my faith in Christ with this belief. So now I am declaring my theological belief because I'm just so smart because I had it revealed to me and you don't see it the way I do and I'm more right than you. Hence, church arguments. <laughs> no. It's not about boasting in our faith at all. There are even people, and again, back to that evangelism mindset, I have won so many people to Christ, and I, I did evangelism programs as growing up as a kid. My mom was in every single training thing, and I had to sit through them all. And, you know, we had to learn how to lead a person to Christ, and then you come back together next week, how many people did you win this week? Oh, we won this many people. And then they announced it on Sunday morning, the evangelism bus ministry, they, they won this many people to Christ this week, and God, it was like, a spinning hamster wheel of, you better keep up, or and if you get off the wheel, then you're not really doing the work of Christ. Get back on the wheel. Oh, and they're exhausted doing church work. How about just love the people around you right now? Love and be kind to the clerk at the counter, gas bar attendant, servers, you name it, anybody. Customer service. 
really hard to be nice to those duct cleaner people. <laughs> Just is. Once in a while I get it right. <laughs> Boasting in him. As we look forward to being the kind of people the great spirit created us to be, that's the key. Do you know what you were created to be? Maybe that is something worth pursuing. A people filled with his beauty and shining greatness. I don't see any effort there. I see response. But we must also find joy in our suffering on his behalf. I like how they worded this. For we know that when the trial gets rough, we must walk with firm steps to reach the end. As we walk firmly in his footprints, we gain the strength of spirit that we need to stay true to the path. This is so different than the other translation. It's so much more beautiful. I love this perspective. It's more Hebrew-minded, more Aramaic-minded. This gives us the hope we need to reach the end of the trial with honor. All of this is because of Creator's great love that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who is his gift to us from above, set free from our broken ways. When the time was right, while we were still weak human beings, following our bad hearts and broken ways, the chosen one died for us. It's not easy to find someone who's willing to die for a good person, even though he might find someone with the courage to die for a very good person. Hmm. This is a unique thing to die for someone who is lost and evil and perceived that way. All this separation mindset. But it's when we were still sinners. That's when Jesus died for us. You didn't do something wonderful to gain his favor. Neither did I. That's tough to swallow sometimes because not all of us can be eloquent. Some people are saved through a groan. I'll use the word saved carefully because I think the experience of saved, healed into the knowledge of Christ is a beautiful thing that we dare not throw away. May we not talk about this God who lives in us or is around us as if he's not here. In my uh, recording this week for Still Growing Grace on Wednesday morning, we were talking about this idea of how, how can we talk about God in our discussions as if he's not here? <laughs> and he's right. That's why I like the, the, um, the, the list of who's here. God is here. <laughs> that, 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 that's true. You know? Mind you, growing up, we used to pray, dear God, come and be present. Oh, please come. No, no, God, God, please, please come. Be present here as we worship you. You know, and we get into all this begging God to come. Please come. And we get into all kinds of rituals to make God come. You know how ridiculous that is? You're, you're praying a lie. What a waste of energy when instead we can say, May we experience your presence that is here. May I experience your presence in Patty? Because however you express yourself through Patty is very different than how you do it through Kathy or through Jacob or Linda. 
may we experience Christ in us, not begging God to come and be present when there's no such thing as absence. Matthew 12, 21. And his name will be the hope of all those who believe the right theology. Nope. His name will be the hope of all the world. The whole world. Believers and non-believers. Half-believers and not-sure believers. Wrong believers and trying to get it right believers. However you want to label it. He's the hope of the world. 1 Timothy 1 says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. It's a constant present. It's not a maybe coming. It's now and continuing. Hope is a gift. It really is. I love that. Even when we don't feel hope. Even when we don't want to hear from somebody who sounds hopeful because they're driving us nuts. They're just a too hopeful for us right now. We're, you're, you're overkill. You know, you've met those people. doesn't matter. Hope is still in you. You are responsible for your receiving of it and believing it. No matter how poorly or how well it's expressed in someone else. Quit looking at everybody else. Look at yourself and Christ in you. From Paul, an apostle in Christ Jesus, for it was Jesus himself, our living hope, who sent me as a servant by the command of God, our life giver. Passion translation. Our living hope. It's not a stagnant thing. It's a living, active hope. (laughs) Hope is a gift. And it's already been given to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father, even as we sang earlier. All of us have things to unlearn still, misconceptions about you, and all of us have much to learn about who you really are in us and in others. May we surrender our expectations And learn to live loved. Learn to be loving. And be ever so gentle and tap us on the shoulder when we're just not getting it right. You don't deal in shame. And I thank you for that. Be our peace. Be our hope.